follow you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. But the four ships that we're talking about last week, we talked about discipleship. This week, we're going to be talking about being devoted to fellowship. Next week, it'll be uh, blessed through partnership. And the last week, which is, seems unusual, but strength and hardship. And all of these things can play a lot. Uh, you, know, we get our, you know, we talk about how we get our first of the year started off. We want to change some things. We want to make some adjustments to our lives. These core things, I believe, need to be a part of every believer's life. And, I, and why I feel like that is because there's only one guaranteed organization that is guaranteed to survive throughout history, and that is the church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. Nothing can tear down the church. Nothing can take away its power. Nothing can destroy the power of God moving in the church. So we want to attach ourselves to something that's unsinkable. If you were going to go out in a storm and you knew that you were going to go out in big waves and it was going to be terrible and 500 mile an hour winds, you would want to be attached to something that was unsinkable. You want an unsinkable uh, walk that can get through any trial? There's going to have to be certain principles that are in place in your life. And one of them is discipleship. We talked about discipleship last week. And it goes something, and I want to just kind of remind you as we begin to reflect Christ and become more like Him, the focus of our life will shift away from self centeredness and turn towards serving the Lord. We, like I told you last week, that discipleship kind of being the process of taking off the old self and putting on the new. But discipleship is not a Lone Ranger approach to Christianity. And as I was studying this message this week, it just became more apparent to me how powerfully we need one another. You know, we think we need one another. We talk about needing one another, but we need one another. We need the power of fellowship. But what we do is we have changed some things and we turn our relationship with Christ into my need for a personal Savior. We do our personal devotions. And those are good, and that is true, but it should have a much broad range effect in our lives. It's not personal. Christian walk, the Christian walk is not just a personal walk. If we only focus on what it means to be a personal disciple, be personally saved, we lose the impact of what it means to be a part and be a part of the church. And if we want to have unmistakable, unsinkable, powerful lives, we have to understand that disciples fellowship. Now, when I say fellowship, a lot of times we start thinking about chicken and roast and getting together and eating and, and let's fellowship. You know, we think about fellowship as shaking hands and, you know, we hate it that we can't come up to you and shake your hand like we could uh, a year ago. We hate that. We want, to, we want to hang out and I miss fellowship. And I'm telling you right now, I am planning in faith two weeks after Easter, we're going to go out there in that back we're going to go out in my airplane hangar. I'm kidding. We don't have an airplane hangar if you're visiting with us. But it'll look like that. But we're going to go out there in the hangar, and we are going to fellowship. I want us to have a meal together. We got enough space back there. 
separate. It might be hot, it might be cold, we don't know, but we're going to try to figure out how to eat together. I miss that. I miss eating together, I miss the fellowship. But fellowship isn't just cake, although they are mighty good when you make them. I say this all the time in discipleship, about discipleship, that discipleship happens in relationship. Relationships in the church are formed through fellowship. So discipleship and fellowship are uniquely tied together. It is important. And throughout this disease, I've seen people who, you know, there are people who are at home today watching online who can't be around other people. But you know the, one of the unfortunate things I've seen? I've seen this disease, this virus, take people out of fellowship who aren't fellowshipping with anyone today. They've completely forgotten the habit of church. They've, They've forgotten, forgotten the value of fellowship. They've forgotten to be a part of a body, and, and, they, and they don't go anywhere anymore. They're not watching online anymore. They're probably, you know, watch three seconds here, watch. They make a lot of churches feel good about, man, we're reaching a lot of people. We had 10,000 people watch our video. No, we don't have that many here, but I'm just saying, click, 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 click. Let's see what they're doing. That's not fellowship. That's not being a part of something. You see, I want you to look at with me in Acts chapter 2, verse 41 through 43, and I want you to realize something. Disciples are devoted to fellowship. That'll be the first thing in your notes this morning if you have them, if you'd like them and you didn't have any. I do have, believe I've got some more out in the foyer. But disciples are devoted to fellowship. I want you to look at the early church. What was the first response of the church after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Those who accepted his message were baptized, talking about the message that Peter preached. And about 3,000 were added to, to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe that the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. They got saved. They were touched by God. They saw the power of the Holy Spirit, and then they ate. They got together and had a cookout. It's not really what fellowship is, and we're going to look at what this really this means about fellowship this morning. But it was important that they understood that it was good to spend time together. The hours that they would have spent together in fellowship would have been ones where they were going over the apostles' teaching. They were encouraging each other, challenging one another, enjoying one another in the bond of, of the Spirit of God and the Spirit of fellowship. But the Greek word here is a special word. It, it is a word that has different meanings in the New Testament for fellowship. But there's something unique about the word that I didn't realize until I began to study it. That the word fellowship here can also be used, and I'm going to use it next week when we talk about blessed through partnership, that it also has a monetary connotation. It has a value connotation. They were devoted to this. They were as devoted, look at this, they were as devoted to fellowship as they were to the apostles' teaching. They were committed to one another. It's the same word 
that Paul used writing to the Corinthians when he said in Corinthians 1.9 that God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. It's the same fellowship that he talked about in 2 Corinthians when he said, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Why is this word fellowship so important? Why is fellowship with the body so valuable? Why is it that it was such a high priority for the, for the disciples of Jesus Christ? Because they know that there is power in fellowship. Because in fellowship, values are transferred. Value is there. There's value in fellowship. And those values are transferred. Paul gives a warning about fellowship in 2 Corinthians 6 when he tells them to be careful with their relationships. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Balial, the devil? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? You see, if you want an unsinkable life, you need to be wary of who you get in the boat with, of who you tie yourself to, of who you're in relationship with. And he warned them. You know, we quote this verse. If you grew up in church, you've been in church very long, you know, you, generally we use this as, don't you date him. I would not go out with her. Don't be yoked together. But this is talking about much more than marriage. This is talking about us. This is talking about who we fellowship with. And why is that? And I want you to look at some things that are here evident in the scripture. Why does God want us to be wary of who we fellowship with? Why are we to be aware of that? Because in the description here, I want you to look at something. The parties do not share the same values. That's why Christ tells us to be careful of who we fellowship with or lack of fellowship. Because the parties don't have the same values. They don't have the same goals. You shouldn't tie yourself to people who are not trying to get closer in their relationship with Jesus. You shouldn't tie yourself to people who are, who are, who are uh, uh, going to sink the boat. You know, when I was in business, I, I, was gonna, I was thinking about starting a partnership, and this will help you if you ever think about starting a business. Very smart man told me something one time. I was going to go start a business, and I had a partner, and we went in and we talked to him. We said, hey, we, wanna, we were thinking about starting a business together. He said, well, I can tell you this. He said, the quickest ship that will sink is a partnership. That stuck with me, and everything I did after that business-wise, I never did a partnership. Now, after I got things going, then I might allow people to come in. Why? Because I wanted to protect who I was tied to. Because if you tie yourself in business to somebody who is unscrupulous and immoral and doesn't have the values you do, what are they going to do? They're going to destroy your business. They're going to come in late. They're going to run their mouth. They're not going to do the work. They're not going to value things like you. And you're going to be constantly going, why won't you do this? Why? Because you tied yourself to them. 
It's important. And when we look at our spiritual lives, why do we consistently tie ourselves to people who don't value advancing in Christ? Because we've tied ourselves to the wrong people. Or we've tied ourselves, or we just basically untied ourselves and said, I'm not going to fellowship with the body anymore. It's time. Fellowship is not just some corny word that we have for the fellowship hour or a fellowship dinner, which those are, I believe, are a part of it. We should eat together and enjoy one another. But fellowship is a spiritual, godly thing. They don't have the same values. They don't have the same goals. One party is going to have to compromise their convictions. For you to have a relationship with somebody, you know how it is. You've got to begin to compromise. In a marriage, you've got to compromise to get along together. It always can't be your way. Seeing if I see any elbows flying. Any bruised ribs after that, we'll know. We'll have a prayer for bruised ribs right after service. But you have to compromise. So when we enter into relationships with people who don't share the same values, don't have the same goals, that Christ is not who they are being drawn to, they're not being drawn in more intimate relationship with Christ, we have to compromise to get along with them. We have to devalue our relationship with Christ in order to maintain the relationship. Hey, guys, I, I don't do that. I don't participate in those things. I'm sorry I don't talk like that. You know, you're not going to be the guy they want to hang out with. You're not going to be the lady they want to hang out with. Hey, I, I think we need to pray over our meal. What? In the middle of a restaurant? And this goes even farther. Because when it's in a spiritual context, when fellowship with light and darkness, one of the parties is going to have to surrender. Satan wants your surrender, and Christ wants your surrender. You're going to have to make a compromise. You're going to have to decide, am I going to submit to the ways of the world, or am I going to submit to Christ? That I am to not have fellowship with the world in a way that would make me compromise to the point of surrender. And when you begin to feel that, you say, well, aren't we supposed to be in the world, not of the world, love the world, but not in the world? Yes, but when you start surrendering your values in order to have relationships, it's pulling you in the wrong direction. It's one of the hardest things to teach students. It's one of the hardest things to teach adults. And when we don't make, when we make the wrong choices and we make the wrong compromises with our fellowship, somebody's going to lose. I don't want to lose. I don't want my relationship with Jesus to suffer. We treat these verses like 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. That's not just a youth group verse that your youth pastor told you one time. Oh, yeah, when I was a youth, they told me, don't, you know, watch who I'm hanging out with. You know, I know a lot of adults that need to watch who you're hanging out with. Bad company corrupts good character. It is scripture. It will happen. You say, man, I used to be on fire for God, but I'm not anymore. I used to be in church loving Jesus, but I'm not anymore. Who did you, tar who did you start fellowshipping with? 
I can't tell you the amount of people I've seen over the years who, like Scripture said, were running a good race. And something came in and entangled them and tripped them up and they caused them to stumble and fall because they began to think they were strong enough to be separate from the body. They were strong enough to do it on their own. You know, it's a scripture that I quote to myself all the time is be careful when I think I'm standing because I might fall. I need you and we need one another. And in the days that I believe that we are headed into into this nation, we better learn how to fellowship and we better learn how to draw together and we better learn how to express the same values because there is a whole world out there that hates your values. They hate what you love and love what you hate. So we need to be like the early church. And I'm going to read that verse 42 again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They were devoted to it, like your personal devotions, like your devotion to the Lord, your devotion to Scripture. The devotion to getting together was very high on the list. They placed a a very high value on one another. You see, that value thing is there. And that value thing in that that verse and in the Greek word there really took me by surprise as I was studying this, that how we value one another is tied to our fellowship. These are great questions that we need to ask ourselves. Am I fellowshipping? Am I compromising? Who am I I tying myself to? Are my goals the same? You know, I know years ago that we were, Heather and I were jumping around years ago, jumping from church to church, trying to find a place that, that we could fellowship in. And finally, we just went into a church one time and they had a crazy, awesome youth group and they had poured themselves into that ministry. And we thought, well, we'll sit here and we'll just let them fellowship. We didn't go there for us. We didn't really like the church. We didn't you know, like the size of it. But we said, we need a place for our kids. We'll go there and we'll let them hang out there. But something happened in us there. God did amazing things in our lives. Why? Because we chose the value of fellowship more than what we wanted, more than what we thought a church should be, more than what we thought it would. Our values were for our children, but we were the ones that wound up being impacted. You see, fellowship is about one another. And there's a Greek word in the, in, the, in the New Testament that is used 100 times. We have two words that mean it. We can, they use a combo of words, and it is the words one another. But you see, fellowship is about one another. That one Greek word that makes up our two English words, and I hope I pronounced this right, but it is alelon. And alelon means a oneness or one another. In the hundred times that it's used, it is used when it talks about forgiving one another, bearing one another's burdens, all these things that we are called to do. 60% of the one another commands come just from the writings of Paul, just from the Holy Spirit writing through him. Why? And I'm going to go to just three of these this morning. Just three one another's that I believe can change our lives. You see, why do we need one another? Because in one another we find strength. Galatians 6, 2, carry each other's burdens 
and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. How do I live for the will of God? How do I do the will of God? What's the will of God for my life? To carry one another's burdens. What's the law of Christ? We all know it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that happens only in fellowship. It's why we do connect groups. It's why we encourage. We encourage one, two people groups, three people groups. It doesn't matter. We need to be in fellowship with one another. Why? Because we help one another to grow. We need each other. I need you. You need me. You know, every Sunday I come in here, I don't come in here every Sunday thinking, man, this is the best day, the greatest day. I feel the best. Everything's wonderful. I, I don't come in here with that feeling every day. I wish I could tell you I did. But, you know, most days, not most days, but a lot of days, I worship for my family. I worship for you. I preach for others. I live for others. Why? Because we are here to carry one another's burdens. I told, the, I told Cliff and Leah this past week, I said, let's sing encouraging things right now because people are really discouraged. Let's try to look at how we can build one another up and strengthen one another. Romans 15, 1, 2 says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up, not pleasing myself, but valuing each other. The importance of one another is so understated in everything that we do. And if you're at home this morning and you're watching online and, and you feel displaced from fellowship, Try to find somebody, whether it's through a, a FaceTime or a, 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 a small connection, something that you can do to connect with another believer. Maybe you're in that place of you can't go because of your, of your physical body. You can't uh, get around others because of, of sickness that you may have. Find a way to fellowship. It's important. Not only does it provide a strength, but we find accountability to keep growing. Hebrews 10, 24, 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging, here it is, one another all the more as the day approaches. Two times in there, this scripture talks about that same Greek word, one another, that we are to spur one another. We gather to hold each other accountable. And not in a bad way. We don't have anybody, I hope not anybody, going around doing visual inspections. Like, hey, I saw what you did this week, and uh, I'm going to call you out on that. Because the Bible tells me to spur you. You know, we don't, we don't need ranchers. We need sheep shepherds. Although some people probably could use one of those prods. <laughs> But we're to spur one another, encourage one another, saying, hey, keep going. You're going to make it. Let's do something good. Let's get together. Let's fellowship. So when we say, hey, 
somebody, we need people involved with the nursery. That's not us saying, hey, we desperately need you. No, we're trying to spur one another onto good works. That's a good thing. When you say that, that, that little thing inside of you says, I want to do a connect group, but I don't know if I can. Let's spur you onto that. Why? Because it's a good thing. Fellowship is good. Being together is good. You need one another. We all need each other to keep the fire lit. How many of you have ever tried to light one stick on fire? Anybody ever tried to do that? You just hold the light and the match, whatever, and it's just, you're not going to hardly burn one stick. You spend a lot of energy, a lot of, you spend a lot of fuel trying to burn up one stick. You'd spend a lot of trying to blow on it, trying to keep that one stick burning, but one stick doesn't like to burn well. But if you'll pile some sticks up, you know that you can build a fire that way. And you start with little sticks, little groups, little, a little mass of them, and before long, you can burn a whole forest down if you want to. Why? Because when we gather together, we become like those sticks, and it's easier to keep a fire going. Our live stream, it's great for a season, but it can never replace fellowship. It can't replace it. It can't replace what we do in here. And when we gather in here, and when we're fellowshipping together, it is wonderful for this season. But it won't carry you through. Why? Because we need one another. And you know what's going to happen, though? This is the tough part. Get, you know, fellowship gets harder. Fellowship doesn't get easier. I'm going to go ahead and take that off of you now. If it was all about just eating, it'd be easy. But it's not. You see, for you to fellowship properly, you know what's going to have to change? Not your neighbor. Not the person that you saw do whatever. We have to change to fellowship. You see, we've got to learn something We've got to learn the mind of Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, 4. Do nothing out of selfish, selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Ooh. Ah, I don't like that kind of fellowship. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of who? Others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Ouch. That hurts my brain. I can't do that. Yes, you can. Did you know if you look at the one another's that are in Scripture, about two-thirds of them deal with how we're supposed to love one another and forgive one another? Do you think you know what they were messing with in the New Testament days? They were doing the same thing we deal with now. Why? I imagine when they fellowship, there's somebody that got on somebody's nerves. Somebody who didn't say the right thing at church that day, do the right thing at church that day, walk past you and didn't speak to you, and, or maybe didn't shake your hand. The, well, you can't right now, so we all have a good excuse. I had COVID. I didn't want to shake your hand. I love you too much. But we're going to have to adjust 
our attitude to get the mind of Christ so that fellowship becomes Christ glorifying. We have to love one another, forgive one another, build one another, protect one another, encourage one another, strengthen one another. This thing that we call fellowship is life itself. It's not just a gathering. When we get here, this is a living body of believers who are called into a life-giving fellowship that we can burn something hot in here. But look here again. What is tied to one another? Value. I want to read this now with a mindset of value. In humility, value others above yourself. You see, we're valuable. You're valuable. You're valuable. You say, well, I've fallen, I've messed up, I've blown it. You're valuable. You're valuable to the kingdom of God. My children need you. Your children need somebody else. We need one another for prayer. Just like we prayed over that church this morning, we need to care about one another no matter the denominational line. Fellowship changes my values and places you at the heart of what I'm doing for Christ. Man, when I was studying this, I was like, oh my goodness. Wow, what have we missed? And I put a little sentence at the bottom of your notes. In my notes, I made this bigger, I highlighted it, I put it in bold and underlined it all. That's how important I feel like this was for me, what I got from this study of this message. And I hope if you've got your notes there that you fill these in because this is important. The ultimate goal of fellowship should be that I add value to others. Think about this. If you came to church with the mindset of how do I add value to somebody else? You know, you wouldn't worry about how loud it was, how quiet it was, how what song they sang that wasn't your favorite. Those, that style of music just wasn't my thing. Uh, you know, when it, when, it becomes about, when it becomes about stuff, but I'm not here for myself. When we come in and we came together and we said, we're going to fellowship for one another. I'm going to lay down some of my likes. Maybe I like the temperature at 69 degrees instead of 68. And maybe, maybe I like this or I don't like that. But I'm going to put all that aside. Why? Because somebody there needs me today. Somebody needs my prayers. Somebody needs my worship. Somebody needs me to encourage them. Somebody needs my smile. I'm going to church today not for a blessing but to bless. Think about, the, think about how it would change. Tonight, when we gather for our night of worship and prayer, I hope everyone can come out. Why? We're coming together to worship the King of Kings. We're going to worship a little bit, and we're going to pray a little bit. Because I'm telling you, there's a generation that needs to see a fire built. 
there's a generation that needs the divine presence, manifest presence of God. And I know where he won't go because he tells us he won't go where there's disunity. He won't go where there's anger and backbiting and talking and gossip and, and envy and strife. He comes to a place that people walk in and say, it's not about me. I surrender. It's not about me. I give it all to you, Lord. Because I'll tell you who I'm about. I am passionately about how do we get this next generation in church? How do we raise up our children and protect them from this gender idolatry that's going on in our nation right now? How do we protect? How do we build a sanctuary that they can come into and rest from all the mess? You know how we do it? We come and we love one another deeply. We come singing a psalm, a hymn, a spiritual song with joy in our hearts at glorifying God together. That's what this is about. I love Jesus. We love one another and we come in forms of worship. That means you don't have to agree with everything I say, but you still got to love me. Ha <laughs> ha. I still love you. Can we stand together this morning? Somebody back there, I tell you what, why don't you just turn around awkwardly and smile at everybody around you? Go on, do it. Put a big one on your face. Put that Joel Osteen smile on your face. Somebody might have needed that this morning. Somebody might have came in here feeling about this tall, and maybe you just made them feel like a giant when they walk out of here. Why? You know why? Because we're getting on one another's shoulders. We're bigger when we're together. We're stronger when we're together. We're more powerful when we're together. And this morning, you may be here. You may be watching online today. And you may be far from God. You may not be a part of the body of Christ. And you are separated from that. And you want to be a part of something like that. You feel that tug in your heart, that longing desire that you need to get things right with God. Every Sunday morning, we take a time where I ask everyone that's here to bow your heads, close your eyes with me, just to give somebody a private moment. I can't invite you up here. I'm not, can't lay hands on you. I would love to do that. But I'm going to let you pray right there where you are. No one's looking around right now. Maybe you're watching online this morning and you're far from God. If you would say, Pastor, I need to get my life right with Jesus today. Would you just shoot your hand up real quick for me? Just something I can see to know that I'm going to be praying with you real fast. Let me see it again. If there's anyone here. Maybe you're watching online today and... And, and you can message us in just a moment. But what we do is we pray a prayer together, and it's a prayer of repentance. It's a prayer of acknowledgement of the resurrection of Jesus. It's a prayer for you to turn to God if you don't know what to pray. So I ask everyone that's here to pray this with us because we pray with one another. Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus, I believe that you died and that you rose again, that I could be saved. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. 
Help me to follow you. Jesus, you are Lord. Amen. Can we give a hand clap to all those that might have prayed that prayer for the first time this morning? I would like for one of our ushers to place a bucket on the table going out. If you prayed that prayer this morning and you got your heart right, right with Jesus, a little private way, we just want to connect with you. If you'd fill that card out that's in front of you, right at the bottom it says, I became a follower of Jesus today. Fill that out. Place that in that bucket as you leave. It's on the middle table out there. Now this morning, I, I want to I wanna do something like we did last week. I want to open up the altar area. You can social distance, but I would like for us to go out of here today glorifying God together with the idea that when we leave, I want you to do something. Find some fellowship. Find a place to connect. Leave here today, this week, sometime. Maybe it's over a lunch, a dinner, a text message. Connect with somebody and just say, I want to encourage you. Jesus loves you. And I want to invite you to worship together. Would you join us in this place and let's worship for God just a moment together.